Here's what happened this morning with Stacy and Clayton. Cruise mornings with Stacy. Uh, a lot of Oiler fans, you know, we're still recovering from that uh, sweeping by Colorado. It was tough. It was tough. At the same time, this is, I don't know, kind of like a, a comforting hug. A Gretzky jersey just sold at auction for a record $1.5 million. It's obviously an Oilers one, and it's from the Oilers 88 Stanley Cup final win over the Boston Bruins, which, by the way, uh, was less than three months before ooh, Gretzky was traded to the Kings, uh, which, of course, was pretty shocking, and and sad. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. It's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. Uh, so yeah, pretty important jersey. It for sure looks worn. There are actual repairs to it because Wayne wore this particular jersey quite a few times during the 87-88 season. There are champagne stains on it. There's probably a good amount of sweat as well. Uh, this sale, though, dethrones Paul Henderson's 1972 Summit Series jersey that held the previous record for being the most expensive hockey jersey ever sold. That was 1.2 million and if i always wonder this like if you're wondering who can afford a 1.5 million dollar jersey the people at the auction house say those that were young during the oilers like early glory days have now matured and have money to spend i feel like that is a very broad statement and not at all true my husband was younger when the Oilers were going through the glory days. He does not and cannot afford $1.5 million for a jersey. Uh, regardless, the person who bought it wishes to remain anonymous, blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to also point out, though, uh, that it's an Oilers jersey. That is the record for um, biggest sale at auction. Not a Flames jersey. <laughs> We've heard the word inflation more than ever in what feels like the last six months. It's it's pretty annoying, actually, because inflation should be gradual and small year after year. But we seem to have just been hammered by it as of late. Um, and then along with inflation, of course, is shrinkflation. Another word we've been hearing a lot of. It's like the new buzzword, but it hurts because basically a lot of things we're buying are getting smaller. Manufacturers are quite quietly shrinking package sizes but not lowering prices and it's it's kind of a greasy move just reducing the sizes and not saying anything but honestly can you imagine the marketing if they did if they were completely upfront about it hey our packaging is way smaller now but we're still charging you the same price buy our stuff please no it's just not how it's done smaller boxes in the cereal aisle uh, are what you could possibly be finding Kleenex, toilet paper, less pieces per box or per roll, uh, coffee, downsizing by ounces. But this is what's interesting. Companies say customers would way more notice a price increase than they would the size decrease. So you're not going to buy your toilet paper and go, hey, wait a minute, 481 sheets. Last time it was 499. We just aren't really aware of that. We're always so conscious about the price. But there are things that are happening, like for instance, Gatorade is changing its bottle. It's tapered in the middle, like an hourglass. They say it's easier to hold on to, but you're getting less Gatorade for the same price. 
God, they're so smart. They're um, they're revising the labels, like I said, to distract you from those smaller sizes. They're using more buzzwords like fun size and party size. And we all know fun size and party size are just lies. On the cruise Facebook page, I have this posted, um, the most popular vehicle in Saskatchewan. Do you drive it? If you're wondering what the most popular vehicle in Saskatchewan is, it's a truck. More specifically, a Ford F-150 Super Crew four-wheel drive. 62,300 and some of those are in the province. I love statistics. I feel like working at Stats Canada might be my dream job. SGI just released some very tasty stats on vehicles in the province. Like I said, the most popular vehicle here, the Ford F-150 Super Crew. And yeah, it's a truck. That's no surprise. The number two is the Ram 1500, followed by the Chevy Silverado. Um, People love trucks here in Saskatchewan. We do have a lot of people who require trucks for their day-to-day activities. Then there are truck people who just have trucks because they like trucks, which is allowed. You know, you're, you're, you're allowed to buy whatever vehicle you like. It's just sometimes it seems like a waste because that person is the one who doesn't really help others move. You know, they're not willing to scratch up the bed in the back. They just like to drive a truck. But it is good to have trucks around, right? Because, you know, when you need something moved or hauled, it's great to have a truck, friend. Other trucks that didn't make the top 10 that weren't quite as popular, Ford Rangers, Toyota Tundras, GMC Sierras, all the details are on the article on the Cruise Facebook page. What I did find more interesting, though, (laughs) is that there are 141 El Caminos registered in Saskatchewan. 141! Where are they all? I would love to know. Clayton and I have talked about it before, how lucky we are in Saskatchewan that we seem to avoid a lot of awful weather-related incidents. Um, hurricanes, <laughs> obviously you need an ocean for those, but major tornadoes, floods, earthquakes, that kind of thing. I'm very thankful um, that we live in this weird little weather bubble in Saskatchewan. Obviously we get storms, I get that, but when it comes to the major ones, we're also lucky that we don't really have a lot of... I don't know, terrifying natural predators. I think it's fair to say bears are probably the biggest threat when it comes to scary, aggressive animals. But imagine if it was sharks. Again, we're in Saskatchewan. It's probably not an issue, but I saw an article because it was apparently that time of year giving advice on how to avoid sharks and what to do when you encounter one. And I was like, oh my God, I... I don't think I would ever be in that situation because, quite frankly, the ocean scares me. But the biggest tip, apparently, is to be aware. What kind of crap advice is that? Be aware? Oh, okay, thanks. Yes, I'm aware that there are sharks in the ocean. But they say planning what to wear, places to stay away from, and times of day are very smart. No contrasting colors or shiny jewelry. Sharks like that. Don't swim near food that sharks would want to eat, like seals. Also, avoid swimming at dawn and dusk. Those are kind of the basic ones, but then if you encounter a shark, listen to the... Just listen to this and try not to freak out. First tip, stay calm. Okay, scrap that one. Make eye contact to let the shark know you see it. Also, avoid erratic movement. Scrap that one as well. How do you make eye contact with a shark on purpose and avoid erratic movement? There's no chance. I would freak out for sure. Frantic movements and a splashing, they can stimulate the shark, which is terrifying. Again, uh, try to create a buffer space using a surfboard, for example. What if you don't have a surfboard? 
Observe the shark's behavior. If it's circling in fast bursts of speed, it could be stressed. Um, then the last part here. Exit the water calmly with low energy and low noise. I don't know. Like these, I get it. These are all very smart, but I just don't understand how these could possibly happen in this order. They also say if you want to strike the shark, because you know you those stories where people punch the shark in the nose. They say not to. You should. You're more likely, and it's better to go for the eyes or the gills. They're more sensitive. Anyway, in case you ever encounter a shark, now you're well informed. You're welcome. We've heard this stat a million times. One of the dirtiest things in your house is the kitchen sponge, which I think they say it has more germs than a toilet brush or something, which seems so bizarre to me. A toilet brush is cleaner than a kitchen sponge? Do these researchers know what happens in a toilet? I'm curious because I'm no scientist, but I feel like a toilet brush would be way dirtier. And a kitchen sponge. Anyway, they're reminding us again, sponges are basically the grossest way to wash things in the kitchen because, you know, there's your average germs and bacteria. But then, of course, the big one they always seem to focus on, and I, I know why, it's the heavy hitter. It's salmonella. Salmonella is awful. My girlfriend had it. It was brutal. I've never myself had salmonella, thank God. But that's what these studies are all very concerned about. I get that. But I just have to say, I have been using uh, one of those sponges where you put soap in the handle. So convenient. Very good to just wash a few dishes, whatever. But I can confidently say I have never gotten salmonella for my kitchen sponge. I've never gotten any kind of weird bacteria from my kitchen sponge. I've got food poisoning from restaurants that shall not be named. But I've never gotten sick from my kitchen sponge. I almost feel like the sponge industry, if there is such a thing, big sponge, needs to sue the researchers for slander or something. Because quite honestly, this research is Even Sponge is a bad name. And now it's time for another edition of That One Friend. We all have that one friend who has a devil cat. Remember the movie, Meet the Parents? Remember Jinxie the cat, yeah? Jinxie's strictly a house cat. You can't let him outside because he also lacks outdoor survival skills. It's kind of like that, but times 50. Now, the devil cat always looks super cute, and that's the worst part about the whole situation. All you want to do is snuggle with this cat, maybe scratch it behind the ears, but if you even just look at it wrong, it'll rip your face off. When this friend invites you over to hang out, you kind of have to think about it for a while. I mean, on one hand, you want to see your friend, of course, catch up a bit. But on the other hand, are a bunch of cuts and gashes from the last time you were over there. You can't wear socks at this friend's house because the cat will rip them to shreds. You also can't go barefoot because the cat will bite your toes and do that clawing thing with their back legs. You also can't wear shoes in the house because it'll bring mud inside. But it's totally okay when the cat brings dead birds inside. Yeah, that's fair. After a while, you'll start to think that maybe you've won the cat over and it actually likes you. Nope, that's just a trap so it can get closer to you to bite and hurt you. 
Sometimes the devil cat doesn't even like its owner, but the owner will take the blame for the cat's awful behavior for some reason. Well, I was breathing a little too loud last night, and Mittens didn't like that, so she scratched my eye, bit my ear, peed on the bed, you know, classic Mittens. But that's my fault. I mean, I should know better by now. I mean, breathing too loud? Come on, Carol. The devil cat owner. We all have that one friend. <laughs> Mittens, no! No, God, I'm so sorry! No! The Grey Cup is still a ways away. What are we here? June 9th. Grey Cup is November 20th. So, yeah, five months away. But pretty much as soon as they announced where it was, anyone who knew anyone in Regina was making that awkward phone call or out-of-the-blue text asking to stay at that person's house or sleep on their floor or crash in the shed. Maybe sleep in their car in the garage. Uh, basically, you become desperate to find somewhere to stay in Regina. It happens all the time. Hotels are warning people, though, that when you're booking online, if you are trying to for Grey Cup week, don't trust everything you see and find ways to make sure the rates posted are the rates that are being offered. You have to be very, very wary because sometimes when you search, you know, Regina Hotels, weird booking sites are going to pop up and maybe mask themselves as something else. And so you can't trust it if it's not necessarily a, f a proper affiliated one like TripAdvisor or Hotels.com. And for instance, the Ramada in Regina, it is fully booked for Grey Cup week. And some of those shady booking sites say they still have rooms available. And so you go through the motions, you book, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I found a double room for the Grey Cup weekend. And then, you know, turns out you've been scammed or there aren't actually any rooms. Regardless, instead of spending hours Hours online looking for these mystery hotel rooms. Maybe just start reconnecting with old friends or distant family members and see if you can talk your way into, I don't know, staying in the kids' treehouse for the night. Stacey and Clayton, weekday mornings 6 to 10 on Cruise. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.